be us folks we're the voices in the wind and how fortunate we are to have voices and how important it is to use them this is the fabulous local band oyster crackers with their album homegrown pearls which is what they are There were three of them then, there's four of them now, and they are going to be playing a benefit concert for the River City Playhouse in Ilwaco on the 8th, that is this Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m., bringing in some cash to help the building stay alive and well and a happy place for all of us. Oyster crackers, they're delightful. Yes, and they are Betty Lou Krause, Rita Smith, um, and also from the original, uh, we had Crystal Mack. All three of them are still there, and Phyllis Taylor has now joined them on cello. Uh, 
So catch them on Sunday if you can. This is Carol here with Arts Live and Local. I'm very glad to be here. A big thank you to David Paul for sitting in last week. Yes, folks, COVID finally got me. I avoided it for how many years, but now I'm healthy, relatively speaking, and glad to be back on KMUN with a wonderful program. And I'm sending healing wishes to all for whatever body, spirit, mind, heart, whatever healing you need, and all over the world we all need, and especially to some of my local folks right here, Hope and Janet and Lulu, Carol, Bob, and happy birthday to Dan and Celia and to Edith Piaf. Yeah, sorry, no music from Edith. We'll play her another time. What I have for you as my first guests, I am very pleased to be sharing this with you. Um, it is a staged reading called Bartow about Rick Bartow, whom many of us locally knew and loved. Rick was a musician. That's how I knew him first in Newport and played with Kid Siegel and lots of other folks and uh, got some of his albums too hidden away in my house somewhere. And then I discovered he was a fabulous artist, contemporary artist, had a show at the college that was extraordinary and come to find out he's known the world over. And I am thrilled I was when I found out that the 1015 Theater was producing um, a piece about Rick written by Greg Berman in Portland. And I know only a little bit about the production, but that's why my guests are here. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle Tinker is here. Danielle is the wonderful executive director of the 1015 Theater, but this today, she's here as the director of Barto. Hi, Danya. Hello. Thank you for being here. I'm happy. Always. Again. <laughs> <laughs> right. And with Daniela are two of the players. We have Julian Painter, who is reading the part of Barto. Hi, Julian. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well, and I thought I recognized the name, but it wasn't until <laughs> I saw the picture, the photograph, that I went, oh, my God, it's yeah. that Julian. Well, I was very happy to see you, and I'm happy to be on because we've known each other for quite a long a time. A long time, yeah. Julian grew up here and, and has been in and out of the arts life, and now he is uh, taking the role of Bartow in the play. And the second player or actor is Connor Swan. Hi, Connor. Hello. How's it going today? Good. Now, Connor, I 
still think I don't know, although he did give me some identifying factors. He is a local musician. Is that right? Yes, yes. I have a band in town, uh, Cherry Choke. Um, We're a little jazz rock band. We just got together a few months ago. We've had two shows so far. That's why I wasn't familiar with you. But it's a good name, Cherry Choke. I like it. And um, I understand a couple of your bandmates are KMUN operations uh, guys. Yeah, shout out to Nick Stevens and Nevada Soul. Absolutely. Uh, They kept the station going for a long time, and and, um, they will continue to do so, as do my guests and everyone who helps us out here. So I would like Danielle to carry the weight for a start and tell us um, why, who, what, and everything else about this production. <laughs> and also, you know, maybe you might want to start by just explaining what a staged reading is. Yes, yeah, so a staged reading is a kind of a truncated rehearsal process. So instead of having the fully developed sets and maybe costumes or special effects, um, it's all condensed down, and the actors are actually reading the script. However, we have had rehearsal enough that they're from, they've developed characters. It's you know it it's they're not just reading it cold, mm-hmm. but it gives a really lovely way to focus on the story, and and gives a. Uh, it's a less intimidating way of doing theater for those who might be coming back to it after a while mm-hmm. or trying it out for the first time. So I really enjoy having these opportunities for new people to come in and not have the pressure of having to memorize a whole, a whole Is role. there a difference between stage reading and reader's theater? Uh, staged reading is maybe a little bit more fleshed out. Uh, we'll have, uh, you know, there's a, some more elements as some opposed movement. to just, yeah, there's a little bit of movement. There's There might be some visual elements that might, as opposed to straight reader's theater that you mm-hmm. wouldn't see. Okay. Well, I have always appreciated reader's theater, actually, because, as you mentioned, puts the focus on the content. And um, although other stuff can be delightful, it can also be distracting so who is Greg Berman, and do you know what motivated him to write about Rick Bartow? Well, Greg is, he actually resides in Portland, and he has, I believe he's a psychiatrist as his day job. Oh, and well, that's handy. <laughs> okay. And just about a year ago, he wandered in one day when I was working, and, and he was just visiting Astoria for the weekend, and stopped in to say hi and and told me he had this play that would I be interested in reading it. So he sent wow. me the script and he also had a YouTube link to a re- Zoom reading that had happened of it during COVID. Um, and it was during the the time I was putting together this season. And I was oh, like, wow. that this is a really interesting script and and it fit well in this particular time slot. I was I was having troubles finding something for this spot. So. Had you been familiar with Rick Bartow? No, no. Right. This okay. was the first I heard wow. of him. Um, cool. I greatly enjoy visual arts, but obviously theater yeah. is more my <laughs> more and, day-to-day. Yes. And Rick died in 2016, mm-hmm. although he was here a number of times um, 
during his life and, uh, as I mentioned, charmed many of us, including me for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so let me move over to Julian because you're playing the title role. Um, am I correct that you also did not know Rick Bartow? Uh, no. So, yes, I'm, I'm playing uh, Rick Bartow, and it's... Um I've been away from theater for a number one of years. I've just been uh, kind of focusing on my life and health and everything in between to make myself better and my family better. And um, getting back into the theater at 1015, um, Danielle has given me the opportunity to kind of show my art form that I really enjoy and get to know a new artist that I've never known about before, Rick. And How did you go about um, learning something about him. Um, so Danielle brought in a book uh, with some of his art, mm -hmm. and she's been sharing links with us on the Internet to look at his artwork and look at some of his videos and his songs that he did. And mm -hmm. So I've learned a lot from that, and he was definitely a spiritual human being, I think. Yeah. I can't... Mm, I didn't note it down, but he was... I believe he was an enrolled member of one of the um, Indian tribes mm -hmm. or nations. We are. The we are. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. Okay. Um, and Julian, do you have an affiliation with that as well? Okay. So uh, Danielle, when she was going through the uh, process of getting somebody to play Rick, she really wanted somebody that was Native American. Mm -hmm. And so I'm half Paiute from Nevada. Mm-hmm. And when we kind of connected, it just kind of came out and it worked. And I'm very uh, humbled and I enjoy representing a Native American. You know, mm -hmm. that I'm an artist myself. I do a lot of drawings and uh, write music and stuff. So I can really relate to this character and the real life person of Rick Bartow. Do you think it's some kind of uh, reawakened some of your own? Um, interests and uh, feelings about making art and also about being indigenous? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I never I never knew my side of uh, my Paiute tribe. Um, my dad moved away before I was born, so I just, mm -hmm. I never got a lot of that, but I've, I've, uh, I went to Tongue Point Job Corps Center when I was younger to be a culinary art, be a chef, and uh, I've done that most of my life, and I met an Apache guy that taught me how to Native American dance, mm -hmm. and I learned a lot more about Native American dancing and just tribes, and mm -hmm. and it really opened my eyes, and I started doing a lot more research, and uh, I would like to go to Nevada one day and, and look at my roots, but I've wanted to wait until I was older mm -hmm. and, and a man and just more connected to... When you're a boy, you know, you don't know your father and can be a little hard. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm ready to take that step nice. and learn my roots a little bit more. Well, I have a, this is serendipity, but I'm a great believer in it. Uh, at the end of this show, my third guest is Cliff Taylor, who is an enrolled member of the Ponca tribe. And he has his second book out. And we'll be talking. He works at the co-op. You may have even met him. So I think you'll enjoy. He's another terrific person. I think you'll enjoy. But that was 
Mm-hmm. I'm bookending. <laughs> I, I, did not, I did not know that. So, That's um, yeah. And Connor, who are you? <laughs> oh who am I? The never-ending question. Here for, right. <laughs> um, no. So I grew up in Southern California. Uh-huh. Um, I lived in Redlands, California, for majority of my whole life. Um, I've only been recently on the coast for about four and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but down there, I studied vocal performance primarily. But I was doing musical theater, acting. I did a lot of community theater down there. Um, but kind of just like what Julian mentioned, I took a bit of a hiatus to focus on my life and my health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is actually my first introduction back to theater for first time in six years. Ooh, I, um, what made you think about auditioning? Well, I was always kind of harassing Danielle that I wanted to get back <laughs> into theater because I knew mm-hmm. that she was the executive director over there. Um, and she was kind of like, well, whenever you want to do it, do it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I came in initially as a tech person, as a, like a side person to huh. just help her with Bartow. Mm-hmm. And then as auditions were going down, um, the first night of auditions ended and I was like, um, I think I want to audition. <laughs> <laughs> what made you think that? The role that I was really uh, compelled to audition for is the med student that is actually taking care of Rick Bartow um, in this play and is kind of like the... Uh, confidant of one another. Um, it just really spoke to me. Uh, just the the neurotic, troublesome, twenty-six-year-old med student that doesn't know what direction he's going in with mm, his life. Sounded and familiar, kind of. Yeah, yeah. kind of hit home <laughs> just a little bit. Right. So um, it's been really beautiful to just do the show and to kind of uh, actually find a lot of identity with this character, mm. with myself, and um, kind of helping me process my own my own trauma, my own PTSD Mm -hmm. through this character. So it's been uh, really uh, a blessing in disguise. So it's been really awesome. And um, apropos of that description, I'm thinking that theater is a wonderful way. Uh, It's a joy. It's a celebration. But it can be used as a little bit of therapy, too. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, all of us who have... We've all had that experience. And it's also been so beautiful because we have a a good amount of people that are coming into the stage reading that have taken a bit of a hiatus. You know, Julian and myself, I think we have two other cast members even, too, that have taken a bit of a hiatus being Mm. on stage. Um, So it's been really beautiful how this all kind of came together and how so many people that took a bit of a time off with it, came back mm-hmm. together, and I think kind of regenerated the spark with community theater, and so it's been really nice. awesome. Well, and that goes back to what Danielle was saying, that, and perhaps um, Connor and Julian had this sensation that it's a little less intimidating. I know it would be for me <laughs> to come back uh, to a reader's rather than to a fully staged, memorize everything, mm-hmm, which totally. is amazing. I just saw Macbeth at the 1015, was blown away and very respectful of people on stage knowing what they have to go through and being thankful to be in the audience. So, um, by the way, I should mention the show is one weekend only, and it is this weekend. It opens tonight, runs tonight and tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m., and then on Sunday at 3.30. And folks, the 10.15 seats, how many? 71. 71. So, what's the website? The 10.15 Theater, all spelled out with an E-R for theater.com. And if you have any possibility of going, I would say go to the website right now. 
get your tickets because it's a small theater. And it did sell out the last couple of shows and other shows I've been to as well. Um, I understand that Saturday night is a special Yes, yes. Uh, we are very pleased to welcome the playwright Greg Berman, along with Charles Froelich, who owns wow. a gallery yeah. in Portland, mm -hmm. who used to represent Rick Bartow's work. Wow. And they will be uh, taking part in a post-show discussion mm -hmm. uh, that will be moderated by Philip Barish. Fantastic. Yes. It's a great opportunity to uh, go even deeper into the play. I bet you guys will be there for that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Wonderful. So it sounds as though it's been a good experience. You're opening tonight, so you don't, you know, it's too late to get out now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, are you glad you did it, Julian? I'm so overjoyed to be back in a theater and just have that theater presence. My my girlfriend made a post on Facebook, and she's like, the smile and the energy <laughs> he has right now is, like, just overpowering because he's so in his element. And I am. I feel like this is a good way, being a reader's theater, to kind of open back up into the world and uh, of theater and just feel comfortable, but also make sure you're saying things right and getting mm -hmm. what's on paper right and uh, bringing that real life character to life like Rick. So mm -hmm. I've, I've just, I'm overjoyed. I want to thank Mick Alderman for um, getting me in contact with Danielle. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. really helped out with that and encouraged me to try out. So I good. just want to thank him. Good, good. Mick's, of course, one of our <laughs> um, omniscient, indispensable. <laughs> indispensable, and doing all kinds of stuff in all of the theaters in this area. So, And how about you, Connor? Do you think you might um, come back on for another? Oh, try? yeah. They're not going to get rid of me anytime <laughs> soon right now. I've gotten a little bug, so. That's great. Who else is uh, in the play? Well, a couple of fam more familiar names will be Bill Honnell mm -hmm. and Rhonda Warnock, mm -hmm. who she was in Enchanted oh. April and she's done a bunch of things down at Coaster. And also across the river, yes, I believe. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then we have Al Olive Del Sol, who is a brand newcomer to us. Uh, she comes with a wealth of experience from, from previous mm -hmm. versions of one's life. And then Deborah Jensen, who is relatively new. She's been around. She's been helping out behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, she was the assistant director for Macbeth. Uh -huh. And she is just lovely on stage in, in her role as well. Wonderful. And how's it been for you directing this, especially since I presume, not in terms of theater, because you've got lots of experience, but in terms of this content, um, dealing with a real human being relatively local from mm -hmm. Newport area, so quite well known. And uh, how, how has that been for you? It, it's been wonderful experience getting to learn about Rick Bartow. And, it, and it's, we have all these nuggets of people who knew them, <laughs> who knew him yeah. personally. You yeah. mentioned this ages ago. Uh, another director of ours used to go see him play in Newport with mm -hmm. his band. And we figured out last night, one of our cast members 
uh, father may have known him from wow. Vietnam. Oh my! Like, and there's goodness. no way of knowing that for sure. But right. putting some pieces together, right. it's just been a really wonderful journey, and, yeah. and I hope our audiences get to enjoy it. Yeah, well, I'm very much looking forward to it. Again, this is the 1015 Theater, located at 1015 Commercial in <laughs> Astoria. The website, the 1015 Theater, all written out with an ER.com. And you can get your tickets for tonight, tomorrow night at 7.30 or Sunday at 3.30. And that's it. And Saturday night will be the um, discussion with Greg Berman, the director, as well as Charles Froelich from the Froelich Gallery, which is quite a treat. And uh, Philip um, Barish will... Uh, host that piece. And uh, did you get support from the... Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for... I I would have felt horrible had I not mentioned that. Uh, the Clatsop County Cultural Coalition uh, did provide us some grant funding mm-hmm. to help with the cost of this production. Which and is great. I would have been... Yeah. Felt horrible had I not been able to say that on air. So thank well, you to them. Yes. And, and as long as uh, we mention them... I should tell folks that there is a um, workshop happening. You, too, can get a grant for an arts or heritage uh, production anywhere in Clatsop County. If you're an individual, hook up with a nonprofit. There are many. And uh, the applications are due at the end of October. But it's really good to get in on one of the workshops or speak to somebody so you know what you're doing. And, um, and it's, uh, it's real money, and it's supporting the local arts. So go for it. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for taking on this production, all three of you. I am very heartwarmed and... Um, I hope to see many folks there tonight, tomorrow night, or Sunday. Um, my guests, Danielle Tinker, the director of Bartow and also of the 1015 Theater, Julian Painter, who is reading Bartow, and Connor Swan, who is reading Will, the medical student. Thank you so much for coming Thank in. Thank you, Carol. Thank you so much. It's Thank nice you, to see you. You too. Break your legs. <laughs> Okay, folks, a piece of music for you uh, from Three Lake Torso. Y'all know they're my favorites and uh, one of my favorites. And they are going to be part of the Klatskanai Performing Arts Series, the Klatskanai Arts Council. And we'll hear more about that in just a minute. Thanks for being here. Arts Live and Local, this is Carol, your host.
that music is over. And so I will um, introduce my guests and why I played Three-Leg Torso. This is Carol here with Arts Live and Local. Well, the truth is, I'll play Three-Leg Torso any excuse I get because I love them. But the reason I played them just now is that they are part of the series that my guests are responsible for. We have Elsa and Dee Woolley, that's Donovan, but we just call him Dee. Is that? (laughs) (laughs) And um, uh, from the Klatskanai Arts Council, and they are here with the 34th Annual Performing Arts Series. Tickets are on sale now. Klatskanai, in case you don't take Route 30, um, you may not know, is exactly 36 miles east of Astoria. And that makes it 18 miles east of Brownsmead. So there, <laughs> <laughs> the center of the universe. But um, these folks have been doing a stellar job on keeping entertainment and enlightenment going in the Klatskanai area for many, many years. How many years have you been involved with? I I started um, as part of the Arts Commission in 1986. <laughs> yeah. 80s, 96, I 06, know. 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is 37 years mm. ago. And this is your 34th performing arts series, so you were... There, but was that the very beginning of the the council? Well, the when it it started, when piano teachers wanted to raise money for a grand piano for their students, and then that just evolved into having a a series of piano performances, and then eventually into what we have today as a variety of different performances. Wow, fantastic! Well, the people of Klatskan I are very lucky. How many folks are there? How many souls are there in Klatskanai? Uh, it's about 1,700. Did you hear that, folks? Not 1,000, 100. <laughs> 1,700, and they are putting on a stellar um, production coming up. And it starts very soon, actually, with the Black Swan Classic Jazz Band, October 22nd. That is, uh, it's- yeah. A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, and it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. We are going to be celebrating with this group Mardi Gras. Oh, and we have the fabulous vocalist. Yeah. Fabulous vocalist Marilyn Keller, who she is fabulous. fabulous. So it's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. Okay, so um, I'm going to have to write that down because if I'm in town, I want to be there. I love Marilyn Keller. Yes. And these folks used to come when we had the, um, Jazz Festival in Seaside, mm-hmm. yes. uh, Black Swan Jazz Band used to come. And Marilyn has also done things like, um, years ago, we had big civil rights symposium, and she takes part in that. People talk about a party. There are folks outside having a party right now. That's what it's like at KMU and on a beautiful sunny day. That's true. Um, I do want to mention... Uh, or maybe I should ask you, what got you involved in the um, the whole arts commission? And D, which is why I 
I do have to say his full name because <laughs> some of you will recognize Donovan Woolley. What's your background in uh, Klatskanai? Well, <clears throat> I taught band and choir there for 26 years. Mm-hmm. What years were those? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I retired in 94. Oh, that's close. I came in 1968. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, before that, I was up the blue uh, in Blue River, Mackenzie, mm-hmm. for about mm-hmm. four years. So when you retired in 94, did you just pick up a... Um, did they have cell phones then? And start staring into your cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I had developed a uh, an instrument repair shop where I did all of the high school's band repair instruments. And so when I retired, I I uh, kind of actually went to work for Teal's uh-huh. on the road, uh-huh. calling on high schools. Oh. And um, so I did that until Elsa retired. In ninety nine, mm-hmm. so and well, and then we actually went together for a while, and finally got out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been amazing to me because you may remember we tried to do a joint arts yes. commission mm-hmm. council yes. way back, and and you guys kept going, and Astoria kind of flopped. <laughs> so. Um, what does that say? I don't even know. Fortunately, the art scene is alive and well in both, both places, places. Yes. which is great. So tell us about, and also for those people who have missed the last few years, well, we've all missed the last few years, but yeah. B.C., before COVID, um, what happened with the building issues? Well, we have been... So uh, fortunate to work with the Klaskenai Foundation to restore a 1926 Oddfellows Lodge. And we our home now is the Birkenfeld Theater, which is located in the building. It's a 165-seat auditorium, and it is magnificent. And we're so proud of it. So we have our own home, and we're, we're uh, using it as much as we can. And you've had um, local artists do work there as yes. well? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So... That's uh, part of it. It's a real community asset, and it's beautiful. It is. It is. At, do you use it at different times of the year in, in addition to yeah. performances? Yes, and we, sh- we show movies there um, at Christmas and Halloween for the kids, mm-hmm. and we, we even have weddings in the theater really? sometimes. Yes. So. Did you use um, the building for the um, Raymond Carver? We did, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. It, that was the home of the Raymond Carver Festival, and it's alive and well. Carol, and it's going to happen oh, again so cool. this next year. With uh, It's going to be under the direction of the C.C. Stern Foundry this year. They're going to take the lead on it. And word on the street is that uh, Raymond Carver's wife, Tess, will be there. Wow. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Well, it's brilliant. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Raymond Carver, was he born in Klaskanai? He was born in Klaskanai, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. That's the claim to fame to be able to establish this festival mm-hmm. legitimately. Right. But it has, um, the fact that it was started and it's continuing, that's the beauty of it. Yes. That and new people come in and see, oh, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And you say, 
Go for it, please. <laughs> yes, it's our joy to, yeah. to hand it off. Exactly. Right. We, we have something else exciting happening, too, Carol, in um, September 12th through 15th in t- uh, 2024. Um, we are reviving the Bluegrass Festival. Oh, really? Yes, oh, it, it's, it uh, kind of went away for about 11 years, but it is coming back strong, and we're very excited about that. And that'll be in the city park. Beautiful. Uh, right. That's in September when mm-hmm. we're guaranteed to have sun and Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Beautiful <laughs> weather. You bet. <laughs> okay, so now tell us about um, the 34th Annual Performing Arts Series with the Klatskanai Arts Commission. Well, we're having, well, after Black Swan, um, um, in November, we are having the North Coast, or the, Oregon Symphonic Band, excuse me, on the 12th of November, and it's going to be um, a salute to veterans, and mm-hmm. all veterans all will right. get in free. Nice. So we're, we're honoring them that night. And, and that then, will be at the high school. And that'll be at the high school. Right. right. And what's the name of the um, auditorium <laughs> at the high school? Uh, it's the Donovan Woolley Performing Arts Center. Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was the home of the... Arts Commission, right? Until right. you got this new mm-hmm. whole building. I know, which is and we just love it. Fabulous, yeah. And then for Christmas, we're doing we're um, having the Fireside Social Orchestra do a holiday program, Who and are they? they're they're kind of a um, offshoot of if you remember the Oregon Trail Band. Oh, there, really? Many of the members there are okay. in this band, and it's just good old old fashioned Christmas music. Okay, nice, nice. And and then in February, of course, we'll have three-legged torso mm-hmm. that everybody knows. And in March, we have Skamakaway Swamp <laughs> Opera, which everyone sh- around here oh, should know gosh, about. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it's definitely not an opera, so don't be afraid no. of op- that <laughs> word. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, Astoria, we had our first uh, Cascadia um, Chamber Opera oh. Festival this year. Wow. And it was a huge success. It was a two-week block. Not every day, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. full-blown operas plus singing in the streets and the bars all over the place. Oh, it was wow. Wow. And a lot of folks who had that opera <laughs> are mm-hmm. now converts because they understand mm-hmm. it can be a very joyful experience. Yes. So, yeah. And but then, you're right. The Skamakua Swamp <laughs> Opera are not opera no Uh, and then we're going to finish with um we have been working with this the singer will martin he's from new zealand oh and we've been working for two years to get him um you don't want to miss him he's got the most beautiful voice Mm. he's just you'll probably all want to take him home because he's really cute (laughs) but he has a wonderful voice too so what kind of music um it's you know it's like michael buble kind of um just i don't know just one of those fabulous voices. Well, you can look them up if you want to check it out. Will Martin. Nice, simple name. Uh-huh. So, now, how do, what do people do? Do they, um, can they get individual tickets? Is there a season ticket, or how does it work? We yeah. don't give prices, but let no, us know. The, um, they can do either way. They they can go on to Klatskanai Arts, with an S, dot org, and they can order tickets. And right now we're running our special. If they buy six tickets, and it can be in any combination, they get a 15% discount. So you mean if you buy two tickets to three concerts? Or, or right. six to one concert. Oh, okay. Yeah. We okay. Don't, we don't care. Birthday party time. Right. right. But, um, but anyway, that that or they can um, call me. My number's on the website. Mm-hmm. 
um, you can do that as well. One, and usually yeah. at the door, there's some tickets available as okay. well. Um, one thing I should do is spell Klatskanai mm-hmm. because um, I said Will Martin's nice and easy. Klatskanai is not, not so much. Uh, I think it's also a native name. It is. Yeah. C L A T Klatskanai. S K A N I E. And um, it's a great joy. Now, uh, I understand that you generously uh, donated a couple of yes. tickets for the. First concert, the Black Swan Classic Jazz Band with Marilyn Keller. And did you say that's the Mardi Gras day, too? Yes, that is the Mardi Gras day. So this is going to be a blast. It's 3 Mm p.m. on a Sunday in two-plus weeks. And if you call us at KMUN, that's 503-325-0010 right now. You may speak to Viri, our new operations director, and score a couple of tickets to the Klatskanai um, Arts Commission's production of Black Swan Classic Jazz Band. And if you don't, I might. So uh, (laughs) thank you so much for coming in, for keeping the arts so alive and well in Klatskanai. And um, it's great to see you. Nice it's to see been you. a while. Thank you. So, yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank Take you care. so much. And folks, 503-325-0010. Stay tuned for my last guest. And that is, um, well, you're going to find out. To our elders who teach us of our creation and our past, so we may preserve Mother Earth for ancestors yet to come, we are the land. This is dedicated to our relatives before us thousands of years ago, and to the 150 million who were exterminated across the Western Hemisphere in the first 400 years' time, starting in 1492. To those who have kept their homelands, and to the nations extinct due to mass slaughter, slavery, deportation, and disease unknown to them, and to the ones who are subjected to the same treatment today. To the ones who survived the relocations, and the ones who died along the way. To those who carried on traditions and lived strong among their people. To those who left their communities by force or by choice, and through generations no longer know who they are. To those who search and never find. To those that turn away the so-called non-accepted. To those that bring us together. And to those living outside, keeping touch, the voice for many. To those that make it back to live and fight the struggles of their people. To those that give up and those who do not care. To those who abuse themselves and others. And those who revive again. To those who are physically, mentally, or spiritually incapable by accident or by birth. To those who seek strength in our spirituality and ways of life, and those who exploit it, even our own. To those who fall for the lies and join the dividing lines that keep us fighting amongst each other. To the outsiders who step in, good or bad, and those of us who don't know better. To the leaders and prisoners of war, politics, crime, race, and religion, innocent or guilty. 
to the young, the old, the living, and the dead, to our brothers and sisters and all living things across Mother Earth, and her beauty we've destroyed and denied the honor that the Creator has given each individual. The truth that lies in our hearts, all my relations. That's uh, All My Relations by Ula Lee, and from an album, one of my personal favorites, called Just Honor, a benefit for the Honor the Earth campaign. Not a new album. I've had this since 1996, and uh, I very much appreciate it and hope you do too. Listening to Arts Alive and Local, and my guest is Cliff Taylor. Cliff has been here before, and I am delighted to have him back, and so is the community. That's the good news. He has a gig coming up in Manzanita at the Hoffman Gallery, and that will be on the 13th. That's a week from today. Yep. Um, and it's at 4.30 to 5.30 in the afternoon, so we needed to get you in here today. So welcome, Cliff. Great to see you. Thank you, Carol. Thanks As for having ever. me back. You bet. So um, I, I, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to read. Uh, first, I'll just mention Cliff Taylor is an enrolled member of the Ponca Tribe of Nebraska, a writer, poet, speaker, and storyteller. Um, I don't know who Suzanne Oiman is, but I found I really appreciated what she wrote. If you don't mind, I'd like to read that. She wrote, Cliff Taylor's poems call us into the sacred space he inhabits as a human, a descendant of Chief Standing Bear, a seeker, and at his heart, a storyteller. His poetic landscape is equal parts wounded knee and scooby-doo. <laughs> I guess she knows you well. A genocide and rebirth. Grief for the lost, yet a reclaiming, both playful and fierce, of what remains. His voice is a landmark worthy of pilgrimage in the sacred geography of indigenous storytelling. Each stanza granting the reader a healing dose of the medicine of remembering, to quote the poet himself. So congratulations on this new book. Now, it's been out. When did the new book come out? This is The Native Who Never Left. I think it came out uh, in late May. So it's been out uh, rocking and rolling through the summer. (laughs) So it's not very old, but it has been out. Your earlier book, The Memory of Souls, is several years yes. ago. Was yep. that? About a little over two and a half years, I think. Okay. So it was during COVID that it, you published that uh, book? COVID definitely was the catalyst that Why, well, got me uh, 
moving on bringing that book uh, out into the world. Why, why was that? I think I got hit by the same wave that everyone else did, and I suddenly found myself with a ton of indoor time, and uh, all the, the fun, exciting outdoor stuff was uh, put on mega pause, mega mm-hmm. hold, and then I thought, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a number of books written, and this one always felt like uh, it contained the essence of what all the other books mm. kind of explored uh, individually or respectively. So I had to put that one out, and I'm so glad that I did. I am, too. Um, That was the first I realized that you were a writer, for one thing. (laughs) But uh, also, it introduced me to the little people. And uh, Sundance, I'd heard of. But your writing is, from your individual heart, is uh, quite different from reading about it from somebody I don't know. So now the new book is actually a poetry collection. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Um, I've, been, I've been writing poems since I was 25, and uh, this book has a little intro that describes the origin of how I became a poet, so uh, check it out if you check the book out. But I just have always had kind of a boundless love and a boundless passion for the power of what poems can do, how they can compress and contain an entire story, an entire moment, an entire experience into something utterly potent, and just how effective they are as a piece of art in communicating uh, one internal experience, the internal experience of one human to another. And that there's just so much medicine and richness and beauty in... Uh, in that. So I, I just love poems. So it was about time, I guess. Well, so that, that was your first poetry book. Yes. But you had been writing. Uh, so is it harder or easier? Because the way you just described it, it sounds like, geez, why wouldn't everybody <laughs> write poetry? However, that's kind of like editing is the hardest <laughs> thing to do when you write a 15,000 page book and you have to edit it. To, a hundred, you know, and with poetry, you have to do, you have to concise things. So, how poet, does that... poetry is definitely its own tricky animal, its own tricky organism. But uh, it's it, it's like anything. If you consent to going onto the ride of creating the thing, the thing itself, mm. uh, if you tune into it, will provide the guidance. And some. Uh, require less guidance in putting the finishing touches on it, uh, on them than others. And then some, some, some poems I've tried to write, uh, you know, multiple times over years and years. And then mm. some of them, I, I, and then sometimes you finally get them right. And in this book, there are some of those poems that I finally got right. Wow. And uh, I'm, I'm glad for that. That must be that. a real celebration. <laughs> that was the it, it, it's torturous. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you find, so is it that you, finally were able to say what you wanted to say or do you, you know all i know is that so much of it is intuitive and you you just feel like it's not there yet or you didn't hit the bullseye mm. so you put it in the kind of the draft pile or the draft shoebox or the draft digital folder i guess people have nowadays <laughs> and then uh when that when the the, the content or the per, the point of that particular poem starts to whisper to you again then you uh, take another crack at it. And uh, 
yeah, see, see, see what happens this time. See if you can uh, put the arrow in the bullseye this time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Bringing <laughs> us back to a little cultural effects there. Um, a quick insert there. There is a, a group called Rick's Poetry Mike that meets the first, usually the first Tuesday of every month at uh, Winecraft down by the river. So check that out. Bunch of wonderful poets get together. So what is it that you... Oh, here's a nice small question. <laughs> what is it that you felt you needed or wanted or were compelled to say? You know, there's a part... Well, I should say there, the, the core of me is on a mission to create this full-scale... Uh, representation of my people's story, experience, and cosmos, and how many poems it'll take to uh, paint a comprehensive picture of that, I don't know. But uh, the, the purpose of this book was to give it a first shot. And I felt that the book itself was forming and cat capturing a lot of the different facets that uh, interest me and interest my family and interest my people uh, when it comes to our own uh, lives and culture and history and uh, ways of being in this world. And did you, am I imagining this, or did you tell me that you were able to connect this book with the youth of your tribe in Nebraska? That uh, yes, you're not imagining it. That was a, a super awesome thing. I got, you know, the book is written for everyone, but in my heart of hearts, it's written for my people to help, uh, you know, to help them in all these different ways, but especially to help the young people to know that there are all these different uh, possibilities for their lives and what they could become and how their dreams could unfold into the world and how their soul can find a meaningful, uh, rich uh, place in the kind of the, the scheme of these times. And yeah, I got to share some poems with the young people. And to me, that was handing off the sparks that live inside the book directly to them so that those sparks of uh, inspiration, hope, and spirituality could be uh, absorbed directly into their being. And it was beautiful because at one time, I was one of those Ponca young kids mm -hmm. looking at the world, wondering where my place was, wondering what I was supposed to do with my, li with my life. And uh, I was looking for people who would give me some sense or some scent of the right direction to go into. And the book, if anything, is a poetic storytelling celebration of the right direction uh, for folks to go into if they're interested in a deep, beautiful, soulful uh, human life. Wow. I think we should stop right there because <laughs> that, is a, um, that is for everyone. It obviously, for Cliff, it's special for his family and culture and community. But that lesson is good for all of us. So you're reading a week from today, 4.30 p.m., Hoffman Gallery in, that's the Hoffman Center for the Arts, in Manzanita. And folks, you can be there. 
You can check them out on the web. If you live there, it's easy. Otherwise, it's a wonderful trip. The Native Who Never Left, where can people find the book? Well, as of two or three days ago, my uh, I, I'm also known as a famous uh, co-op cashier at <laughs> That's the Astoria right. Co-op. That's as of right. a couple of days ago, you can get the book at the Co-op. It's oh, also ooh. available at Godfather's Books, okay. Gathered Bake Shop, Great. and Raintown Vintage Collective. And you can always find it online in the way you find online stuff. Excellent. Oh, good. Now I know where to get mine. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in, Cliff. Thank you, Carol. I'm thrilled. Okay, folks, time to go.